0: You can't ignore De'Aaron Fox just because he plays for the Sacramento Kings anymore. Put him in the all-star game where he belongs, NBA. De'Aaron hits a game-winning three from the Orlando Magic logo. Kings never really should have been in that position in the first place, but doesn't matter. An ugly win is still a win, but I'll tell you what the next step is for the Sacramento Kings to become a consistent winning team right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time. For another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off-season today. Presented by PrizePix. PrizePix offers first-time users a hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars when you use promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com, promo code locked on. I'll tell you more about them later on in the show. Hi, my name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports producer and reporter at ABC 10 News, where I disrupted all my co-workers here on a Saturday, screaming at the top of my lungs watching De'Aaron Fox hit that massive game winner from the Orlando Magic logo, leading to the Kings 126-123 to 123 win over the Magic. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. I was screaming already because Malik Monk and the Sacramento Kings up by two turned the ball over, and allowed the Magic to tie that game, putting De'Aaron in a position where he had to hit that half-court shot. Sacramento should have never been in that position in the first place, but lo and behold, when you need a superstar the most to carry you through De'Aaron Fox steps up like the superstar that he is. And look, it wasn't just one shot. De'Aaron Fox had a phenomenal second half. I believe scored 28 points from halftime onward through the remainder of the game, had just nine points at halftime. De'Aaron Fox was simply phenomenal for the Sacramento Kings in the second half, and they absolutely needed him to be. He finishes with a team-high 37 points, 14 of 24 shooting from the field, only two of seven from three-point range, but one of the two was the one that mattered. And, and here's a big number for De'Aaron that's going to go under the radar a little bit. De'Aaron Fox went seven of seven from the free-throw line. De'Aaron Fox has not missed a free-throw in five games. De'Aaron Fox has made 21 straight free-throws and is now shooting in the mid-to-high 80s from the foul line, that is massive for someone like De'Aaron, who does so much scoring around the rim, who is such a threat in and around the paint. That's, of course, not the major talking point when it comes to De'Aaron Fox and what we're going to be discussing today. But I can't let that slide. That absolutely deserves recognition, considering that's an area of De'Aaron's game where he's struggled a lot. There have been a lot of areas of De'Aaron's game where he's been inconsistent or has struggled. That he has looked fantastic all season long to this point. And remember, this was De'Aaron's first game. Came back from uh, dealing with a, a, a bruised knee that he suffered after playing nine minutes against the Charlotte Hornets, was not there for the Miami Heat game. Now comes back and against Orlando has to be a absolute superhero and give Sacramento the uh, the, the win that. Some would say they didn't deserve, a lot will say they didn't deserve. The Kings put together a just fantastic second half to even have a chance at this game, and really should have closed the game out before it went to overtime, but whatever. It doesn't matter how the Kings win, it ultimately matters that the Kings did win. That being said, of course, we're going to break it down, we're going to dive into what happened in this game, really how it was two games in one with the just abysmal First half that the Kings put together and the phenomenal second half, I would say the best half of basketball so far this season. Uh, what the Kings were able to do in the third and fourth quarters to ultimately make this a game and have a chance to win a game that sums up life as a Kings fan in so many ways. With the exception of this time, the Kings actually won the game, they didn't lose the game. But just the roller coaster, the ups and downs that this organization has put their fan base through summed up perfectly in one game where the valley was as low as it could get. It was basically a canyon, and then the Kings elevate going basically straight up into a position where they were the favorites to win this game and ended up having to use the De'Aaron Fox heroics to pull it out. I don't even know where to start when it comes to this Kings game, but I will tell you this. I know what, I'm not gonna say the next step is because there's multiple next steps that the Sacramento Kings have to make in order to become a winning organization and to win this season and to make the playoffs this season. But one of the most important next steps is this. The Sacramento Kings need to start the first and third quarters consistently. And what I mean by that is how many times already this season, and this is not a problem specific to this team this year. This has been an issue for the Kings for a long time. They'll start the game off really strong, give the game back in the third quarter. The first Miami Heat game, the win against Miami. Kings start that game really strong, build up a big lead. Miami comes back in the third quarter, makes it a game. Kings ultimately pull that one out. The Golden State Warriors game. Kings get off to a really bad start, put together that massive run to come back in the second half, starts in the third quarter, but after an abysmal first quarter, that really put the Kings in an extremely deep hole that they tried to and ultimately couldn't climb their way out of. The Charlotte Hornets win. Kings got off to a terrible start in that game, fell behind double digits early, put together a good second half, end up winning that game. Now you have the Golden State, or rather the Orlando Magic win, where the Kings put together a first half of basketball that made us all want to pull our eyes out. Like There were legitimate concerns with the way this Orlando Magic team is built and how big their lineup is. I think Katie Christensen said during the broadcast that the Orlando Magic have like the fifth or fourth biggest lineup measurement-wise, biggest starting lineup in NBA history. Like this is a big starting lineup. It's also, in my opinion, a very talented starting lineup. I'm going to talk a little bit later on about the Orlando Magic, specifically Bull Bull, but I like what the Orlando Magic are doing. I'll get into that a little bit later on. But even with the expectations that Orlando's size was going to be a problem. Sacramento cannot allow themselves to get as bullied as they were at the start of this game. It can't happen. It cannot happen, especially when you're coming off of multiple days rest. Now, I don't think the Kings practiced every single day. I know they stayed an extra night in Miami, uh, then had a travel day to get to Orlando. It's a short travel. Regardless, the Kings had multiple days off in between uh, the loss in Miami and today's game against Orlando, there is no excuse after multiple days off to one come out of the gate flat footed and two take on a team that you had th- with with a size advantage that you've had time to game plan for and still fall flat now I know you can game plan for every single team. You can game plan to say, don't let the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry get room to shoot, right? Well, it's Steph Curry. He's still going to get room to shoot. So I, I don't disrespect the Orlando Magic in the sense that me saying the Kings just game planning for the size of Orlando is going to negate what Bull Bull and Paolo Bancaro and, and Mo Bamba, who I don't even think played in this game. Nope, he did not play. Uh, and, and Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner. What these tall players can can provide I'm not saying that had the Kings game planned better, they would have shut Orlando down. But the Kings looked like they took the floor like they were a youth recreational team, having no information about their team. They took the floor against a team in Orlando that has all that size, and they just looked up like, we don't know what to do. That's how they started the game. That can't happen. I put that on Mike Brown. I put that on his coaching staff. I put that on the players for not being ready to go. Thankfully, they were able to overcome it, but Sacramento clearly wasn't ready if they can start a game strong and start a second half strong, those solve so many problems that this Kings organization has battled with for nearly two decades, right? and basketball is a game of runs. Basketball is a game of adjustments. That's what the halftime break is for, for teams to regroup and adjust. A lot of times you see the team that is down or has struggled in the first half make adjustments and come back in the second half. It's actually pretty rare to see a team in the NBA dominate from start to finish. It really doesn't happen that much. Time to time, sure, doesn't happen that much. It really doesn't. So, the Kings finding a way to start a game off strong, build a big lead, and sustain it through the second half consistently might not be realistic because great teams struggle to do that. But if they can get rid of or avoid the really slow starts to either half, even if they're still outscored, but it's by six points instead of 16 points, it makes a world of difference. The Kings were down by 20 points in this game. They come back from 20 points down. That's fun. We want to celebrate that, right? Except you don't want to ever be okay with Sacramento falling down by 20 in the first place. It's like the same thing with the Golden State Warriors game. And I would have said the same thing had the Kings come back and won in Golden State with De'Aaron Fox hitting a game winner or whatever the circumstance is. You can't accept a 50 point second quarter. You can't accept giving up whatever it was, 80-something points in the first half just because you made a game of it later on. Like, it's, 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 it's not okay for Sacramento to fall behind by 20 to a team in Orlando that is playing well right now. They're playing hard. They're a fun team. They definitely have advantages in size, and they know how to use them. Plus, they had big nights from some players that, specifically Bull Bull, who just didn't look like he could miss Actually, I think you only missed one shot, and if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I went 10 of 11 from the field. I'm going to talk more about Bowl Bowl later on. But you can't allow an Orlando Magic team to outplay you like that, especially out of the gate. And I talked about this with Damian Barling on my most recent episode of Locked on Kings before the Kings and Magic game. I said this. I said, I wanted to see the Sacramento Kings team play like they were on a higher tier than the Orlando Magic. Because even if they're not, Even if they're on equal footing, the Orlando Magic are in a position with a young team in the Eastern Conference where they're okay with losing. They don't want to lose, but they're okay with it. They don't have high expectations. They don't have necessarily playoff demands. They would love to make the playoffs. I think that team is capable of maybe surprising some people, although now they're 2-8 and to start the season, if I'm not mistaken. So they got a long way to go, right? But they're not a team. The idea of the Orlando Magic finding a way to make it into the play in and and winning a couple play in games to make it into the playoffs to me isn't unfathomable. But the Sacramento Kings have a play in slash playoff slash postseason mandate with this roster. So play with that sense of urgency. You have the same amount of wins coming into this game. Play with the sense of urgency that a team that's supposed to make the playoffs should have over a team that could make the playoffs, but their season and their success and their happiness as an organization isn't reliant upon it like it is for Sacramento. It's not okay the way the Kings played for much of this game. But let's celebrate the second half, right? The second half for the Sacramento Kings was phenomenal, not just for De'Aaron Fox, but for the Kings as a whole. They looked like a completely different team in the second half. They were playing more physical defensively. They were getting to the inside, uh, getting to the paint, kicking out. They started hitting shots too, which is a big difference. The Kings shot 53% from the field, 41%. Uh, from three-point range. Now, free-throw shooting was still a big problem for Sacramento in this game. The Kings ended up going, what was it, 17 of 26. at 65% from the free-throw line. Overtime never would have been a thing if the Kings could just hit their free-throws. And that includes DeMontis Sabonis, who went 5 of 12 from the free-throw line. However, Sabonis got his own little bit of redemption because Sabonis hit two clutch free-throws at the end of the fourth quarter, when the or Magic were playing the fouling game, or was that the end of overtime? It was the fourth quarter of overtime? I honestly don't remember. It was, either, it was at the end of the game. DeMontis Sabonis, it was overtime, I think. DeMontis Sabonis hit two clutch free throws after missing, what, like five or six in a row, or five of the last six, or whatever it was. He stepped at to the line, hit them when they mattered. He did the same thing in the Kings' loss in Miami. So he gets a little bit of redemption there, but the Kings as a whole, free throw shooting has been a little bit better as of late. This game, it was bad, and the Kings. I'm not going to say nearly lost specifically because of that, but it certainly didn't help the Kings as much as it should have. Let's put it that way. But the second half, Sacramento put together, going on a quarter-long 36 to 12 run to erase a 20-point lead and actually, or erase a 20-point deficit and actually take a lead heading into the fourth quarter. Then the fourth quarter, the Kings kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, only scored 23 points. Look, the Kings scored 36 points in the third quarter. That was great. The other three quarters, 25, 22, and 23. If the Sacramento Kings are struggling to score, they're in a world of hurt. A world of hurt. The Kings didn't make it to 50 in the first half. Really struggled in that first half offensively. I don't care how well the Orlando Magic are doing offensively. I don't care how many points another team has. If the Kings are struggling to score 50 points in a half, they're going to be in trouble because offense is what this team has to hang their hat on. Defensively, we, of course, want the Kings to be better. In some ways, expect the Kings to be better. Expect Mike Brown to figure out a way to get this Kings defense to at least be competent. But if the offense is not good, Sacramento's in a world of hurt. A world of hurt. A 65-47 first half for the Orlando Magic, where they shot 60% from the field, only 27%, 3 of 11 from three-point range, so it's not like they were red-hot from three, they were just bullying the Kings uh, inside. The points in the paint uh, was Magic 38 to Kings 30, which I'm surprised that deficit wasn't bigger, Uh, but overall, Orlando just was absolutely bullying the Kings. Even the rebound differential was not as much as I thought it would be. 27 to 14, it's not good, 27-14 to in advantage of Orlando, and it felt like it could have been a lot worse. But for the Kings to have the second half that they did to turn things around, to do a better job taking care of the basketball, to force more turnovers, they forced 18 Orlando Magic turnovers and scored 26 points off of those 18 turnovers. Now the problem is the Kings turned over the ball 14 times themselves, gave up 21 points, but a lot of those turnovers were either in the first half or very late in the game. Here's one thing I'll say too. Kings go on this incredible tear for the majority of the second half. De'Aaron Fox is absolutely on fire, right? And the Orlando Magic, in the final eight or so minutes, suddenly start to come alive again. Again, basketball is a game of runs. So regardless of how talented you are as a team, you're going to get your runs, you're going to get your mojo and your swagger back a little bit. When When the Kings have a second half like they're having, I expect teams like Golden State and Miami, these veteran teams, to be able to stop those runs, to be able to... When winning time happens, say, okay, we allowed the Kings to get back into this game. We allowed the Kings to even take the lead, but we're in crunch time now. It's a new ball game. We've been here before. We know how to stop this run and snuff it out, and they do it quickly and usually end up winning the game. The Orlando Magic really quickly snuffed out a lot of what the Sacramento Kings were doing right. And in the final eight minutes, Orlando, I thought, dominated the final eight minutes of that game, and the Kings just did enough to hold on and send that game to overtime. That A team like Orlando, who is as young and and as inexperienced as they are, even if the Kings are also an inexperienced team, I'm not going to say the Kings are young because we know they're not, but they're inexperienced in those winning times. They cannot allow a team as young and inexperienced as Orlando to shut down what they're doing well and change the flow of the game that quickly, regardless of if they're at home or on the road, as quickly as a team like Golden State or Miami can. It can't happen. A lot of lessons to be learned from this game. It's a win that, of course, you celebrate. A win you're feeling great about in the the Kings locker room because De'Aaron Fox hit that game winner. But it's a win where, whether it's on the flight to Golden State or whatever it is, Mike Brown and his staff are going to look at the film and probably be cringing a lot because there are a lot of cringe moments for the Sacramento Kings in this game. I want to talk about a few different players. I want to talk about Harrison Barnes. I want to talk about Malik Monk and Trey Lyles a little bit. Also have to talk about Keegan Murray. He was absolutely abused by Paolo If I mean, they didn't really play one-on-one, but Paolo Bancaro had a phenomenal night. Keegan Murray had his worst night ever as a Sacramento King. Got to talk about that. Also want to show some love to Bowl Bowl and the Orlando Magic as a whole. I'll get to that after I tell you more about prize picks, the number one way, in my opinion, to play daily fantasy sports. Now, Prize picks, the way it works is you you pick two to five players and you pick an over or under on their projected stats. Now these or scoring totals. Now these scoring totals are, are provided by prize picks. They're lines set up for different players. So for example, De'Aaron Fox, I don't know exactly what it was tonight, but maybe De'Aaron Fox was 25 and a half points. You take the over, you win that. You do that for multiple players, and if you get them right, you can win up to ten times your money. And the best part about this. Is it's you versus the house. You're taking on prize picks and their set lines. You're not going up against any of those sharks who absolutely dominate in daily fantasy or any kind of sports gambling out there. You don't worry about that at all. You versus the house. Use those basketball expertise, not just for the Sacramento Kings, but for the entire league to make yourself some money. And prize picks has a really cool thing going on right now. If you sign up, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNBA, you'll get 100% instant match on your deposit up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 right there. Double your money instantly. You deposit 50 you get 50 You can put in as much money as you want. Prize picks will double it as long as it's less than $100 and it's your first time signing up. Play PrizePix Daily Fantasy the way it was meant to be played. Harrison Barnes wasn't good tonight. And I've been able to say that. I think we've all been able to say that about the majority of the games that Harrison Barnes has played so far as a king this season. Finished with nine points, four of 10 shooting, one of four from three. He's shooting, I think in the 20s percentile wise from three point range. Had five rebounds, an assist, a steal. For playing 35 minutes a night, for being a veteran and as important to the Kings as we believe Harrison Barnes is and should be, it's not good enough. I see people picking on Harrison Barnes. I think I see people on social media ready to give up on Harrison Barnes, ready to move on from Harrison Barnes, questioning why the Kings didn't trade away Harrison Barnes when they had the opportunity to, not just this offseason, but at last year's trade deadline or the trade deadline before that. It's been a narrative that has gone on and on and on, and now it is fair to say that Harrison's value has probably decreased from where it used to be to where it is now, especially based off of the way that he's playing, even in a contract year. I'm not saying that Harrison has been fine. But listen to me very closely. Harrison Barnes still did great things in this game, in my opinion, even if it wasn't a good overall game for him. His one three-pointer that he made was a huge wing three, a huge three during overtime. And I got to have it, Bucket, Harrison hit the shot. And there were a couple of plays, including a massive three by Malik Monk towards the end of the game to to give the Kings a five-point lead in overtime. It was created because of Harrison, and he will not get the assist for it. Harrison attacks the basket, gives to Trey Lyles, I believe, who then kicks it out to the wide-open Malik Monk, and Malik buries the three. Harrison Barnes does not get any credit for that play in the box score, any play statistically. And yet that play happens because Harrison put the ball on the floor, attacked the basket, got the paint touch that, uh, that Mike Brown is always looking for. And that wasn't the only time he did it in this game. In the fourth quarter, when the Kings were in their major run, Harrison Barnes attacked the basket. Chemezi Metu was out there uh, because DeMontis Abonis was on the bench getting some rest. And uh, Barnes draws a crowd, draws a couple of defenders, around pass to Chimezi Metu, who has a wide-open easy dunk. These are plays that kind of go under the radar. I think that was the only assist. Yeah, that was the only assist that Harrison Barnes had. These are the plays that go under a radar, under the radar that... Harrison and, and a lot of players in the NBA don't get enough credit for because they don't do it in high volume, but that doesn't make them less impactful in the moment. Harrison absolutely could have been way better for the Kings tonight. He absolutely could have been way better for the Kings at uh, to this point this season. He's doing a lot of things that he needs to figure out. He's struggling in a lot of areas that he needs to figure out. But at the same time, we can't disrespect Harrison by ignoring the things that he did do right when it mattered, just like we wanted to give Keegan Murray the praise for having a really bad shooting night, but in that Charlotte Hornets game, hitting that big three in the fourth quarter to give the Kings a little bit of separation to help them ultimately win that game. We gave Keegan Murray love for that big shot. We got to give Harrison Barnes the same love for a big shot in overtime. He deserves some love. Does not deserve forgiveness or a pass for how poorly he has played for the most part this season, but I'm telling... I just make sure you recognize what it is that Harrison Barnes is doing right. But I'll bite a little bit. I'll play with you a little bit. If Harrison has not done enough for you now and has consistently been struggling enough for you to say, okay, the Kings need a change. You want to move Harrison Barnes out of the starting lineup. Okay. Who's it for? I think the the two most common switches that I saw, one could happen. The other one I don't think will happen. The one that could happen is Malik Monk starting at the two spot. You move Kevin Herter to the three, keep Keegan at the four, DeMontis Savonis at the five, Fox at the one, Harrison Barnes moves the bench. The other one is you keep Fox and Herter as the backcourt. You move Keegan Murray to the three, start Trey Lyles at the four. And Trey Lyles had actually a, a really solid game for the Kings today. We'll get to that. I don't think that one's, there's much of a chance of that happening. But okay, okay, let's say the Malik Monk move does happen, because Malik has played really, really well. How much better are the Kings? Are they getting off to those consistent strong starts in the first and third quarters just because Harrison Barnes is no longer in the starting lineup? I don't think so. Maybe the Kings are better in stretches, which you can always have that lineup playing together in stretches, even if Harrison is still starting. But my big question is, doesn't that make your issue with the second unit worse? Because the Kings' second unit has struggled... consistently with the exception of Malik Monk. Malik hasn't been great all season long, but over the last handful of games, he's really started to come into his own. He was instrumental in the Kings winning this game. That's why he was on the floor during overtime and Kevin Herter was on the bench. You notice that? So you start Malik Monk, you move Harrison Barnes to the bench. Do you think that makes things other than optics-wise of your five best players starting the game, other than optics, does that really make the Sacramento Kings better and solve as many problems as I have seen people believe Harrison is causing? Let me know. I'm at Matt sack on Twitter, email me sports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Malik Monk's been excellent. And in a game where the, the starters struggled, Malik Monk was huge. I think he finished with a he was a plus 16 for the game, which led his team, plus 16. He actually, I think he was the only king with a positive, or maybe one of like two kings with a positive plus minus at halftime. Malik Monk, in in, in a lot of ways, was the reason why Sacramento wasn't just getting completely and utterly blown out. And he didn't need to just score to do it. Malik Monk was doing a lot of things really well. He finished with uh, 15 points in 28 and a half minutes, 5 of 10 shooting, 3 of 7 from three-point range, had that clutch three, like I mentioned, uh, in overtime. Also had five assists. He's doing a really good job at distributing, as is Kevin Herter. Like, uh, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, the two shooting guards for the Kings, have been some of their best distributors so far this season. And that's really cool to say. And that, that, that you can see that when they play. Trey Lyles. I thought Trey Lyles was also instrumental in the Kings winning. He also had 15 points in 29 and a half minutes off the bench, 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 7 from three-point range. He hit some huge threes, especially in the second half. few rebounds, a couple of assists, blocked shot. Exactly what you need out of someone like Trey. Came in, provided important, positive minutes, played his role, and spent a lot of time on the floor in close moments and in big moments in the game, started overtime, if I'm not mistaken, I think he played in overtime because of how good he was. Now we got to talk about Keegan Murray. We hyped up this game a lot, Keegan Murray versus Paolo Bancaro. Part two, technically, it's like part one for real because it's an actual NBA game, but part two because we saw the two battle in NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. But Keegan was bad. Second game in a row where Keegan's just bad. Three points, one of six shooting, one of four from three-point range, a couple of rebounds. I couldn't really tell you what Keegan Murray did. He had one of those games where when he was on the floor, you couldn't really tell what he was doing. Got some decent looks, missed him. Like, Keegan's in a bit of a slump right now. Am I panicking? Absolutely not. But look, Keegan Murray is a very important starting piece of a team that's hopefully going to make the playoffs in the Sacramento Kings. Paolo Banquero is likely going to be the best player on a team that misses the playoffs in the Orlando Magic. But Paolo Bancaro absolutely looks like a star in the making. He had a career-high 33 points tonight, 14 of 26 shooting from the field, 16 rebounds, 4 assists, a block shot. He was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Not as ridiculous as Bull Bull was, though. Let's talk about the great story that is Bull Bull, and let's talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic future, plus the Kings now heading into Golden State They're guaranteed a 500-road trip. Is that good enough? We'll talk about that before we wrap up today's show. There are a lot of really cool stories at the start of this season. The San Antonio Spurs, the great start that they've gotten off to. Josh Primo, stuff aside, right? The Utah Jazz, the surprising start they've gotten off to. The Milwaukee Bucks, how dominant they look. Of course, the Brooklyn Nets and what's going on with Kyrie is not a great story by any means, but there are a lot of really, really cool, fun storylines so far in the NBA in this young season. And probably my favorite one, or amongst my favorite, is Bol Bol. Like, he went from this exciting, massive player, of course, his father's son, who couldn't find any opportunity with the Denver Nuggets. Now, granted, the Nuggets are in a very different position as an organization than the Orlando Magic are, The Nuggets basically give him away for nothing. And he goes to Orlando, where suddenly he's starting. And in 37 minutes tonight, only missed one shot. 10 of 11 shooting from the field. 23 points. 2 of 3 from 3-point range. He was on fire, and he was giving the Kings fits from the very beginning. He had a coast-to-coast transition layup that the Kings barely did anything to stop him in the first quarter. And that really set the tone for his game. I think Bull Bull is a fantastic story. He's an awesome story. And I love to see what he's doing in Orlando. Truth be told, overall, I love what Orlando is doing, period. I really like the Orlando Magic roster. Palo Banquero, huge fan. Franz Wagner, if you listened to Locked On Kings a couple of years ago, you know how much I wanted the Kings to draft Franz Wagner in that draft. Of course, he went the pick before the Kings to Orlando. Love that. Love what he's doing. Suggs, love that. I'm even a fan of Mo Bamba, even though he's not playing. Bobo. just talked about how cool of a story he is. Wendell Carter Jr., didn't get the fairest of shakes in Chicago, has found a role and found a spot in Orlando. I'm a huge fan of Terrence Ross too, the veteran. I like what the Orlando Magic are doing. I think they have a talented roster. They're not going to be good today, but I don't think they're far off, truly don't think the Orlando Magic are far off from being a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. Truly believe that. I like what Orlando is doing. If I'm an Orlando Magic fan, even with the pain of a loss like this to the Kings tonight, I'm still feeling good. I'm still feeling excited about the future for my team, and I loved watching Paolo Banchero and Bol Bol dominate, straight dominate at times during this game. So Orlando Magic fans and players, keep your head up, because I really, really like what they're doing. Now the Sacramento Kings head to Golden State, taking on the Warriors. Last time they played in Golden State, they gave up like 87 points in the first half, gave up 50 points in the second quarter, made a massive comeback similar to this Orlando Magic game. That ultimately fell short. So what do I want from the Kings in this game against the Golden State Warriors? I want to see a Kings team that starts both halves strong, like we talked about. I want to see a Kings team that has learned from the mistakes of not just that first go-around against the Warriors, but their go-around with the Orlando Magic today. I want to see a team that's more dialed in on the defensive end. I want to see a team that gets back to moving the basketball and sharing the basketball the way that they did Uh, early on in the season, but throughout the course of the entire game, not just for stretches of the game. And look, if you were to tell me before the Kings started this road trip, that they would come home and be two and two, I would be happy with that. So do I think this game in golden state is winnable? Yes, I do because of the way the golden state warriors are starting. Do I think this Warriors should be heavy favorites in this game? Yes, I do because of the way the golden state warriors have started this season. This is a get-right game for them. Absolutely a get-right game. And what I want to see is is a Kings team that doesn't walk in there with a little bit of a swagger because De'Aaron Fox hit a big game winner and they've won two of their last three, three of their last four technically. I don't want to see that Kings team walking in with that kind of swagger. I want to see a Kings team coming in focused, knowing that they are heavy underdogs in a hostile arena, playing the defending champions, and they need to play up and get up and get ready for that game. That's what I want to see from the Kings. I'm expecting a loss. But a 2-2 two and two road trip, going 500 on the road, is always a good thing. Then they'll go back for some big games at home, and they have to defend their home floor, even if it's Cleveland and Golden State coming in, and they have a game in L.A. against the Lakers coming up as well. Winnable games and tough games on the horizon for the Kings. Welcome to the NBA. I want to see this team consistently be able to deliver the same performances. No more of these lethargic, sluggish starts to games and great third quarters or... Great starts to the game and sluggish, lethargic third quarters. Get rid of that. Consistency is across the board. I think it'll instantly make the Kings a much better team. So much from this game for you to respond to. Do it right now. At Matt George, uh, sport, or rather, at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet me or DM me there. You can email me, Sports at gmail.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, I know you're already going crazy in the YouTube comment section down below. Let's keep the conversation going there. A great way to spend a Saturday, even though it sucked at times, but a Kings win is always a good thing. Have yourselves a great rest of your weekend. Can't wait to join you on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.